Well, hello and welcome to episode 49 of our Baseball Weekly, the weekly podcast from the baseball subreddit. We are hoping you all enjoyed your Thanksgiving weekend or for our neighbors to the north, curling trials and Grey Cup semis weekend. Am I right? Enjoyed both of those things. And uh, wishing everyone a happy Hanukkah and Advent season here. My name is Lewis, and this week I get to sit down with Rays minor leaguers Cole Wilcox and Nick Schnell to talk about life in the minors, rule changers, and the future of minor league analytics and housing. Before that, though, I have the wonderful privilege of sitting down with the eternally in the booth for this podcast, Maz, to go over what has quickly become a very crazy hot stove weekend. Maz, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm uh, doing pretty well. I welcome, 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 as I would normally say. It's good to have us back together. Uh, It was weird not doing the intro. I appreciate you taking that off my hands. But uh, hey, we're back. We're back, baby. And boy, have we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. I could not believe how quickly the stove uh, ignited and then exploded today. Same. It uh, it started on Friday, I feel like, and then with like a trickle of some Mets news, and then and then boom, we're sitting here on Sunday, and it's one after another. And he, so here, I was expecting to spend like fifteen minutes talking about all the pitcher signings, and then another fifteen minutes <laughs> on just who the Mets signed. Um, we don't we don't have time for that. Uh, there's yeah. too much, too it, much just not, coming. It's not last week with me and Phil again. We got some actual stuff to talk about this week. Actual stuff. And here's the thing. Um, listeners at home, we are recording Sunday night. We were holding out. You might know more than us at this point. You might get to hear Maz live react to where <laughs> Max Scherzer signs. You might get that. Who knows? Uh, sorry if he signs after we're done recording. And uh, we don't have that for you, but hey, I'm sure you can get that information elsewhere. And uh, I won't, I won't make Nime stay up until the last possible second by recording Maz reacting to it and reacting to him not signing with the Mets and then having him just use whichever one, um, you know, happens. So we're we're gonna avoid that. We do have the last couple awards to touch on here before we get into all of the signing action. I don't think there were any surprises with this. The comeback players of the year were announced at the beginning of the week. We have the now retired Buster Posey winning comeback player of the year in the NL. And um, one of the great stories of the season, Trey Mancini in the AL coming back from uh, from cancer there. So, uh, yeah, Maz, what do you what do you think? Is there much to say about those? Um, I don't think there's a lot to say. I mean, I know people kind of thought Buster and Trey were probably going to be the two front runners. Um, it was cool to see Buster win it in his last year. I think he's one of only two or three people to do it. I saw a stat earlier this week. Um, and then Trey Mancini is just like a great story. Home run derby participant. Uh, Pete Alonso does not care about your cancer. He will beat you Pete in the Alonso home run derby. Is on team cancer. <laughs> will will beat you in the home run derby while vibing the music. He does not care. <laughs> but I congratulations love- to the both of them. Seriously, I love yeah that that tweet after the home run derby. 
a cancer survivor just lost the home run derby to some guy who's had the intro intro riff to immigrant song stuck in his head for the past two While, hours. Uh, also remember there was that kid that got hurt in the outfield <laughs> in the home run derby while Alonzo was up and he just kept going, kept bopping. Uh, just, and, just keep swinging oh that. <laughs> oh, what what good times. What good times. The it's home like so run long derby ago. Was. So long. So many months ago. And hopefully we don't have to wait so many months before uh, we we get that again. I guess the reason for the big signings here is the uh, collective bargaining agreement between MLB Players Association and MLB expires December 1st. And so uh, a lot of people are thinking they're rushing to get these deals done to make sure they know where they'll be come end of whatever if there's a lockout however long that is i don't expect to lose any actual baseball over it uh, i hope we don't uh, i think i speak for everyone when i say that but i'm expecting the worst oh because that, that's just me no oh, well see i am expecting i don't expect to lose any baseball over it i think there'll be a big media pr battle i think it'll get dirty in the tweets um, but I don't expect to, uh, yeah, Maz, you could, you chuckle at that. Uh, <laughs> I don't expect to lose any baseball over it. I think both sides, I, hope you're know, right. I, I think there's, there's just too much, uh, too much to be lost. And, you know, the thing is CBA deals, um, they don't, there's, there's not like a required minimum number of years. So like, Hey, you know, we, we want to make sure we have a season, but we want to make sure that we have a chance to renegotiate this uh, after the pandemic, maybe. So we'll, we'll see. Am I uh, misremembering something or was there like a one year CBA uh, maybe coming off of the 94 strike or am I, or am I like seriously misremembering something? Well, I, I, I yeah, thought I remember a, that. It was a weird, um, we, I'm not sure if it's quite comparable just cause like the, the CBA officially had expired and they were playing the 94 season really without an agreement. They were just going under the terms of the old agreement and the strike happened because the players were finally like, well, uh, this is dumb. Let's <laughs> hammer this out or uh, we'll stop playing. And so uh, my guess is they will not do that again because, well, that led to instead of a losing, you know, the first couple months of the season when, let's face it after opening day there's not as many butts in the seats until june anyways and uh instead of losing out on the first couple months they lost the entire home stretch worth of revenue and yeah which whichever what is uh universally seen as a bad move yes (laughs) as they might say universally seen losing money (laughs) is never a good move it's not good for not good for anyone involved um so all right I guess let's jump into some of these uh, these deals over the last Ooh. couple of days. There is a, a boatload of them to talk about, so let's go. All right, so um, I I want to to save a certain one till the end, and then uh, hit all these Mets deals, and then by that time, maybe we will know if there's one more Mets deal we need to talk about or <laughs> not. Which. Uh... <laughs> You love me just bringing that up every few minutes. All right. So Uh, we'll see um, See what my reaction is. Anyway, Marcus Simeon. (laughs) Until something like that happens, I guess the 
largest uh, free agent contract handed out today. Marcus Simeon to the Rangers on a seven-year, $175 million deal. Um, the Rangers. Yeah, this, this is, uh, I don't think a lot of people had the Rangers getting Marcus Simeon. I know there was like all these memes about like Clayton Kershaw uh, going down to Texas, but <laughs> yeah, Marcus Simeon, um, he's a good player. You know, he finalist for the MVP this year, arguably had the best year of his career after going on a one-year deal to the Blue Jays. Um, but to Texas, are they really a team like Detroit? or like, you know, Toronto, where he came from, they're, they're like ready to compete maybe within the next year or two. I don't, I'm not too familiar with the Rangers farm system, but I don't think so. so Am I, I right didn't, or wrong? I didn't think it was. Um, I didn't think their farm system was quite ready for it, but they have money to spend. They have a new ballpark. Sure, and, sure. Uh, <laughs> I think, I'm guessing they were planning on giving uh, a certain Joey Gallo an extension. And then when everything didn't really pan out and they realized, you know, he might not be worth bringing back right now. Maybe he still, they still will. I mean, but he struggled down the stretch with the Yankees. Um, I mean, right now the rumors are that uh, they are in the mix for free agent right-hander John Gray. Rosenthal is saying, instead of giving us more, you know, actual news, just saying that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, they've, they've got some potential. The Astros, I mean, I, I don't count years them now? out. For a guy that's 31? Yeah, it, it's an interesting thing because it might just be setting up to be paying him for the back of his career while their window's just opening. But uh, I mean, on the other hand, um, if he sticks around, they can maybe build a team around him. And I mean, the Astros are great. They've got really good uh, players coming up in the system, but I think they're their peak peak. I, I think they're past their peak, not to say they're not a great team, yeah, but they're still still a good team, but they're, they're just team, getting a but... little worse year by year is what you're saying. Yeah. And yeah. when you start really good, it doesn't matter if you go get a little worse. But, you know, that's that's that trend. Um, the one thing I do wonder about it is, I mean, Mariners are coming up on a contention window. The Angels uh, now have all that Albert Pujols money to throw around um, to miss the playoffs. Uh, so, so we'll see. <laughs> Didn't want to say it. I'm glad you said it. I said it. Uh, I said it. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what the AL West ends up looking like, but I mean, the Rangers suddenly throwing around a lot of money, um, that, that could be very interesting. So, yeah. um, all right. Good another... on Marcus. I said it last week, get your money, get your money. That's right. Get, get paid. Get, and I, I just want to comment on like, has there been a better one-year prove-it year for a player? Yeah, so, so you mentioned that before. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. He, he signs a one-year deal. He's an MVP contender, and uh, Jay's made a playoff push. And, yeah, I don't know. I'm hard-pressed to think of another one, but I can't really think of a lot off the top of my I head mean, anyway. So seven and a half uh, baseball – or 7.3 baseball reference wins above replacement, um, 133 OPS plus – 45 home runs like that yeah, was a great best year, year of his career he had a great year and uh i guess if you're doing a one-year prove-it deal that's that's what you want to do so uh good yeah. for him everything came up marcus 
All right, over in the east, down by uh, down on your side of the the baseball world, the Marlins have been busy. They've been connected to a few people. They did end up signing Avisail Garcia to a nice little deal, a four-year, fifty-three million dollar contract. Which I mean, that's a decent contract for a for a pretty pretty decent player there. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, Abisail Garcia, he's a he's a guy. I mean, he's not a you know a game breaker that's gonna say, okay, we're ready to win. Um, but hey, everybody needs depth. Everybody needs those like you know. Okay, he's kind of like they're batting their lineup now. I guess does does, does he insert he's you know next the bat in the lineup? The... Yeah, is he does he insert next to Jazz as like just the two guys in their lineup now? I I, I guess I think so. I mean, they've got the well, they've. They've got the pitching, um, and as we will talk about as in a little we'll bit, talk yes, about, well, might as well. They've got the pitching. Uh, they just locked down uh, Sandy Alcantara for another five years at a fifty-six million dollar extension, which is you know um, he, he's only arb eligible in twenty twenty-two. So uh, this isn't extending him very long i think it only has one year one or two years under team control because he's got some arbitration mm. and um, he gets a raise but he gets a raise <laughs> he's got that he's got the guaranteed money yep. and uh that's that's what players want right get that guaranteed money um, two good moves I, i'm i'm glad that they locked up i mean as a as a non-marlin fan you know as a met fan i'm i don't want them to lock up anyone <laughs> but if i was if i was a marlins fan though i'd be good with locking up sandy it's him and sixto i think that they've determined as like the two the two uh bright arms that they have of their future so lock up sandy now i don't know what sixto's uh contract status is and then i also know they have ever cabrera is another big guy um but Sandy's definitely the one that has proved it the most so far. I think. I don't think that's crazy to say. I I don't think so either. That's a uh, that's pretty right on. Um, speaking of Floridian extensions, though, and this is the one I thought would be the big news that we'd be talking about um, until everything else just started falling into place. Wander Franco, eleven year, hundred and eighty two million dollar guaranteed contract with a 12th team option year for another 42 million on top. Mm-hmm. Wow. The Rays did it. I don't know what else to say, except they did it. They made the right move. They opened up the pocketbook for, or wallet, whichever one you use for Wanda Franco. Purse. If that's what you use, they could do that too. Pocketbook, um, purse, wallet, whatever. Money uh, European um, handbag. Uh, handbag. Yeah, a European man bag. Uh, I believe it's called there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Wow. Uh, I mean, so obviously it's, it's Wanda Franco. Um, but I feel like we were, we were going through this same, the, the same sort of idea uh, with a certain Fernando Tatis Jr. last year, where we were talking about, uh, this is a really big extension. This is a long extension. And um, I mean, let's face it, uh, Franco's only played in 70 games. So I uh, even played a full major league season. He hasn't uh, even played just, half a major league season. Uh, just like Tatis, though, when uh, when he was extended, technically hadn't played a full major league season. This is also very true. I think uh, one of the things that everybody's been saying, I agree, is that, boy, if Franco, you know, shakes out the way that he's projected to, 
this is a steal of a deal. 182 million over 11 years. That's a steal, I think. Uh, I, but he's got to project a uh, fan out the way that they project. Yep. And I mean, so it's a steal for steal of a deal for the, the Rays if it pans out, if he continues to play. Um, but as people are very quick to point out, Big if. this is MLB contracts. They are all guaranteed. Wander Franco could be sitting at home playing ping pong and accidentally have the ping pong ball hit him in the eye on a rather rude return from someone and never play again. And uh, he still gets $182 million. Scary scenario, but it's possible. Ping pong is um, a dangerous sport, Matt. It gets brutal sometimes. I've seen it on ESPN. They get quite into it, but uh, I hope I hope Wander's not doing that. Uh, yeah, uh, playing playing uh, random Chinese ping pong superstars is probably not the best way to spend your off season. But I, I think one of one of the things is you look at a guy like Tatis who got that huge contract this year. Was is it wild to say that it was a little bit of a disappointment this last year based on the money he's making? He got hurt a bit. The defense is leaving a bit to be desired. So okay, he's got. 10 more years but not off to a great start is that i mean am i crazy saying that six and a half wins Um, what are you paying for look at the money you're paying i know you but uh, see look at his numbers he hit (laughs) i use the eye test okay uh he hit 42 home runs uh but 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 the concerning thing is uh he didn't get the shoulder surgery right Um, he also like they were waiting for the off season play through at rehab. And now he's still, he's, he's not getting it. I don't know if that I'm not a doctor. I don't even play a doctor on TV. Um, but it, it just seems weird to me that something that they, that seemed like it was so sure. And now they're saying, yeah, he doesn't need the surgery. I don't know if that's like a good thing. Like, Oh, actually, yeah, he played through rehab. It was fine. No big deal. The doctors think it's great. Or if it's a, yeah, he's really worried it's going to mess with his mechanics and he's just going to live in denial for a little bit here. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, I hope Fernando either gets the surgery or, or plays to prove that he doesn't need it. And when it comes back to Wander Franco, I hope he fans out. He plays out the way that he is projected to because i love him as a player and uh you know rays are fine whatever but i i really like wander franco as a player so i wish him nothing but the best in his future career i completely agree and uh we gotta get uh we gotta get our old friend ashley mclennan back on to talk about this extension at some point this offseason every week uh i want (laughs) uh yeah like every every week i'm like we need to get ashley back on here that's it we're yep. gonna we're gonna make a push this week. Uh, episode fifties next week. Episode fifties next week. It's a big oh, whole number. We uh, gotta do it. I'm begging to have her it. on and, and talk to her for an hour and a half and get yep. uh, twenty minutes of usable content because That's that'll right. be the baseball that we talk about. Well, exactly. We gotta <laughs> cut all the T Swift references. Exactly. Um, so, all right. Speaking of T Swift wins. Yeah, yes, I tried. That was that was good. Um, this is this is what has me all happy and giddy and excited and not working on anything I should have 
this <laughs> afternoon because I was too busy jumping up and down and clapping my hands in glee. The Twins have extended Byron Buxton with a nine-year deal. He is signed through 2028. And uh, it, it's a it's an interesting but very Byron Buxton uh, caveat signing. It is a uh, it's a million dollar contract or a hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, boy, a million dollar contract. That'd be really nice. Hundred million dollar contract. Nineteen twenty seven again. <laughs> but but so with Buxton's injury history, there are some very interesting incentives put in here. So. So just looking at uh, Buxton's history, we all know he is injury prone, which like this year. I think year, that's fair. This year I felt terrible. Uh, obviously I felt terrible because the twins sucked and Buxton was out, but it was, it was crazy stuff. Like um, he gets back from rehabbing an injury and then he gets hit by a pitch and breaks his wrist. Like, that's not injury prone injury. That's just dumb, <laughs> stupid luck injury that kept him out. So anyways, um, despite that in his 61 games played, he was worth four and a half wins, um, which is quite a bit. Um, the most played appearances he has had over a full season in his career is 511. So interestingly enough, here is the incentive bonus. So, uh, next year, $9 million salary from 2023 to 2028, $15 million per season. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, he gets $500,000 incentive extension for getting to 502 plate appearances. He gets another half million for getting to 533, another half million for 567, another half million for 600. And if he manages to get 625, <laughs> played appearances he gets another half million which if you do the math that's an extra two and a half million and then uh for mvp finishes he gets like uh incentive extensions for every single year um if he wins the mvp he gets eight million he comes in second he gets seven million if he finishes third behind trout and otani because that's just the world we live in he gets six million um so it's an interesting structure to the contract but he's an yeah, interesting player it's it's heavily incentivized uh for a guy that has missed time to not miss time yes <laughs> so so there you go <laughs> like please um, please I, do I, not miss time <laughs> i mean yeah he if you want to be optimistic about it when he was healthy this year early in the year he looked great he was on mvp pace early in the year before he got hurt what a month or so before the break yeah. or am i missing that oh then um, he came back and got hurt again it's right he was a wibbly wobbly season uh, for so, him so he's got the potential to be really good if he continues on the pace that he had this year um i think the first my initial reaction to this contract was and you wanted me to repeat it on the podcast was imagine thinking byron buxton is ever going to win an mvp uh which i stand by I, i'm I gotta shaking say. my head mask if he stays healthy for one season <laughs> gotta he's say now got, I, he's now got nine chances <laughs> i feel i feel like statistically he's gotta stay healthy for at least one season long <laughs> enough right 
Right. And then the season that he stays healthy statistically is the year that, you know, Trout puts up another Trout year. Trout year and yeah. uh, we and have Otani's that Miguel Cabrera Trout discussion again, you know? But hey, you know what? A If he finishes third, he still gets $6 million. So True. that's still a pretty, pretty good thing. Just, I, just for reference, uh, he had a 12-win pace here. A 12-win oh pace. I definitely see him putting at least one, two, you know, top three MVP finishes yeah. at the worst. That's, in the that's land what of this we're contract. hoping for. A 12-win season, Maz. Mike Trout's <laughs> never even put up a 12-win season. That's that's very Troutian. <laughs> a tra- Troutian levels, which is not like Stantonian home runs. It's still actually a good thing. Uh, hey, thank you. Thank you, John Sterling. Very yes. good. Correct. <laughs> All right, so that was what had me giddy as a schoolgirl and just all happy and excited. Now we'll get to the stuff that makes me giddy soon, but That's okay, let's right. just continue. And we're, we're trying to stretch it out as long as we can just, uh, <laughs> just to try to get there. All right, so next we've got a, a bunch of pitchers that signed, uh, and some of them just kind of worth mentioning um, a little bit more in detail uh, at the end here, but we'll just rattle things off here. The Angels sign Aaron Loop. Angels start rebuilding their pitching staff beyond Otani. Yep, yep. we got um, uh, Aaron Loop going to the Angels, another stolen player from the Mets. Uh, those those damn Angels. I, I said it last week. They're my third favorite team. I don't know. They got it. They're dropping down. No, they, they're not. Who am I kidding? I was happy that loop got paid again get your money um i wouldn't have given him the contract that the angels gave him just because a relievers are weird and b it was like by far his best season ever so i was okay with missing out on him but but, but angels again why the angels again just for the memes that's the part that i was most upset about i mean that's socal weather and that meme potential (laughs) and you get to share we're going to reference these guys all night. Uh, you get to share a clubhouse with Shohei Otani, who is in the running for time person of the year, might I add. Oh, that's right. I did vote for him. I hope and, he, I hope uh, everyone out there did too. And Mr. Mike Trout. So uh, that that's that's an exciting place to be. All right. He's, uh, in a, he's in a position of envy for me. That's right. Let's just continue. <laughs> uh, all right. Keep moving on here. Uh, Anthony Descofani, three-year, $36 million contract to stay in san francisco good for him good for the giants um yeah good arm uh you know played an important piece this last year was never like their number one guy i think you know gossman was their number one guy but yeah important to keep him around especially if you're gonna lose gossman which we'll, we'll talk about later but yes. uh yeah good on good on disco as as he's known out disco, there as. that is right and uh I mean, he had he had an interesting season just because um, he kind of slipped up in the last couple months of the season. Um, you know, he had a sub three ERA for for most of April and May kind of got roughed up a little bit as the weather got warmer. He was one of those guys who um, sticky substances seemed to. Oh, is he one of those potential guys? Uh, Let's see. Uh, May 23rd, he gives up 10 runs in 2.2 innings, but it was to the Dodgers. Um, But uh, he managed to fight back and do just fine without it. June, July gets his ERA back under three and then down the stretch. I just had a few, none of those absolutely terrible games. Like 
like that one. Um, I guess he got roughed up for four runs in 2.2 again by the Dodgers. Boy, pitching to the Dodgers a lot is just bad for a pitcher's ERA. <laughs> That's true. Pitching to a high-powered offense is, yeah, that'll do things to you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unfortunate that some teams have to have to do that so uh yeah (laughs) all right um so here's now here's three guys well two guys that um, here's three guys three guys three guys that uh some of them were there some of them i thought were going there and one one of them made it there one of them I thought was heading there and one of them looked that way for a year and then never no got No idea it. what you're talking about. All right. Let, let's go. Okay, so let's go. Let's go. For, so I'm going to go in order of who who was there and back down. So Corey Kluber, <laughs> the clue bot, obviously great pitcher for many years. Yeah. And one now, point he's, in his career. now he's signing one-year deals with the Rays. So the Rays got their guy. They One did. Guy. Yeah, that's the big move that the Rays made this week was getting Corey Kluber. Um, yeah, I don't know what, what really to say aside from the fact that they're going to fix him probably. Yep. And he's going to, you know, be coming out of the bullpen, uh, throwing, you know, two shutdown innings and be one of the best relievers in the game. That's just how it works. All right. Now, my guy who who I thought was going to get there and then never did, Jose Quintana, signs a deal with the Pirates. Mm-hmm. He He seemed... I thought he was going to be a headache on the South side for many years. And then he just kind of, it just never happened. Like, yeah, it just didn't. Me and uh, me and Phil talked about this one last week. And I I think I mentioned about how, when they started the white Sox resurgence where they first signed uh, like Jose Abreu and you Jose Abreu and you on And it was like, this is the year white Sox going to be scary. Uh, They got Jose Quintana and then look at this offense. uh, That never happened. so uh he he's that guy um and then the guy who i thought was there for one season and then uh always forgot that he never really got there again michael waka to the red Sox for a year and um i think i think it's just the residual devil magic like from from his rookie season that he's that, still even in the league that he i just i just assumed like ah he's probably a solid three mid mid three era guys still oh my gosh what happened um you know what happened in 2020 um but uh yeah he he's he's just he's just a guy now and uh yeah i I know what happened in 2020 he made seven starts for the mets and that'll do it to anyone unfortunately That, that will that will do it all right here we go big signing news fresh off the presses John oh. Gray signs with, I don't know why I'm <laughs> typing this into our outline as I'm saying it, the Rangers. All oh, right. Yes. You called it 10 minutes ago. I did. He has a deal with the Rangers, according to a couple of Twitter sources. Neither of them have the money yet. So okay. we'll, we'll see. But uh, there's Their that. third deal of the day third deal of the day so like we were saying uh rangers wait what what hold on what's oh no oh no what is going on okay we, no no are, someone's are breaking news that shouldn't be broken someone's someone's trolling on twitter i'm guessing 
Jeff uh, Passan has said that yep. John Gray's deal with Texas is for four years. There we go. Okay. Someone's trolling by saying he goes to the Mets. <laughs> I yes. wouldn't be bad at that, though, so I'd, I'd take it. But I would yeah. be very angry if it wasn't right. Yeah. But luckily, the Gray... Yeah. Jeff's, so Gray Jeff's to Texas it. per Jeff Passan. Yes. And that's the one that matters. So Gray to Texas and the Rangers just keep signing people. Good stuff. Um, warning to the West, 2022, baby. Uh, let's, let's go Rangers. Um, is... I get, John Gray is a good pitcher. He, he's a guy that I feel like, I think he's the one guy that uh, anybody that knows the Rockies is like, yeah, he's the guy that could have success outside of course. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful for that. I, I, I just feel sorry for Rockies fans. I really do. I, I just want them to be happy and to have pitchers <laughs> and to just have competent front office. And yeah. we're going to have to have Scraggs back to, uh, yeah, to we're have future, with him. future general manager. Back That's on. right. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. it's like All the right. third week in a row, row that we're dumping on the Rockies. So that's right. Uh, so that's sorry. what we do. All right. We, we got to keep moving here. Uh, we got to, we got to wrap this up. Uh, Kevin Gaussman was the big, uh, for now, the big signing, the Blue Jays got him on a five-year, $110 million offer. Uh, apparently, Maz has added here to the notes that the Mets offered him more than that, but he decided to go play in Toronto some more. So, uh, apparently, uh, only thing I could say to that is the guy apparently wanted to be an ace. He didn't want to be number two. And to that, I say, I do. I mean, that's a... <laughs> or that's... au revoir? Because it's Canada. <laughs> See, right. the joke there is, is that it's Toronto. It's not Montreal. So me yep. saying that is yep. just ignorant I, as well. I got that. It's All right. So, okay. so anyway. Gossman's there with the Jays. And uh, the Jays are going to be scary. Yeah. That's a, that's a good signing for them. Um, especially if they maybe sign one more big piece. Uh, they, they could be back to where they were last year. That's right. All right. And then... All right, here's here's where I had my initial like transition break all ready to go um, because uh, Stephen Matz signed with the Cardinals for a four-year, $44 million contract, and he made one Mets owner, Steve Cohen, <laughs> extremely angry. Extremely angry. He's ah. unprofessionally angry. That's, uh, that's how angry he was. That was, I was prepared. You know, I think we kind of had the same idea that we were prepared to talk about, uh, you know, someone like Wander Franco for 15 minutes. Then we were going to spend 15 minutes on Steven Matz to the Cardinals, but we can't, we got to move on. Well, All I, will I say, was going to say it wasn't that we were going to talk about Steven Matz to the Cardinals. It was that sent well, Cohen into a fit of rage by proxy right there and we go. the Mets sat down and signed Starling Marte four years 78 million Eduardo Escobar the mighty mouse one of my favorite players two years 25 million and Mark Kana two years 26.5 million I mean that's a decent amount of signings I don't really know what I have to say there aside from just I'm not shedding any tears over Steven Matz uh I wasn't originally uh, I just can't believe that Cohen got that angry over Steven Matz. I like it, dude. <laughs> also, I just feel like you're calling someone else for being unprofessional on oh, yeah. Twitter. I feel like on the scale of unprofessionalness, 
I've never Com- seen such unprofessional behavior. Complaining about someone on Twitter. That's like the middle school girl who complains about how gossipy someone is to their other friend, right? Like, have you heard about her? She's so gossipy. Yeah, like that's what it sounds like when you claim unprofessionalism on Twitter. So uh, all I know is that I will be using my uh, meme that I made on Twitter of of the Taylor Swift with the quotes from the Stephen Cohen tweet. Uh, I will be using those reactions a whole lot for the rest of the year. So I'm sorry to anybody that that follows me on Twitter out there. I I am not happy this morning will be used a lot after the Mets blow it uh you know on our west coast trips or something like that so it's gonna pop up a lot so sorry again (laughs) all right well that is the signings um i do not see a a max scherzer signing oh we got john gray's money 56 million over four years pending physical there we go thanks jeff um no scherzer news as of yet uh it's gonna break in 15 minutes but i guarantee by the time i can't guarantee anything my guess is it's going to break right as I finish uploading this sound file for Nime <laughs> to edit later. So, uh, well, uh, I think that is about all we need to do. Stick around, everyone. I know this was a longer intro segment. But we've got a great interview coming up with Cole Wilcox and Nick Schnell, who are Rays minor leaguers. That'll be uh, after we sign off here and give you our little musical intro. Maz, thanks for spending your Sunday night talking with me about baseball instead of pressing F5 and staring at your computer. (laughs) It does make it easy because you can do both at the same time, but I appreciate having at least three fourths of your brain uh, talking to me this, this evening. It it definitely beats uh, sitting on the new queue on our baseball, waiting for Austin's name to pop up, uh, you know, posting all of his news and yeah, thanks for having me and for taking the lead and uh, kicking it old school on this intro. Oh, yeah. Kick old school modcast, all of that. All right. Well, thanks, Maz. And once again, everyone, we've got a great interview with Cole Wilcox and Nick Schnell coming up. So uh, stick around for that right after this. But first, uh, Naim cutting in here real quick to say, as I am exporting this file, it is 11.45 p.m. Central Time, so 12.45 Eastern Time, uh, and Max Scherzer still has not signed. I don't know if it's going to change by the morning. The last news we had was about an hour ago. Steve Cohen and Billy Epler have submitted their offer to Max Scherzer and Scott Boris, which is three years, $126 million, so $42 million a year. That's all we know. The last we heard is that the Mets are awaiting to hear back from Scherzer's camp. I am guessing that that's not going to come tonight, but it's very possible that the second I hit publish on this file that it will. But uh, that's the latest news we have on Max Scherzer at the time of recording. So uh, now I'm going to kick it back to Lewis for this fantastic interview. I've already edited it. It's great. So you should stick around. Welcome back, everybody. Lewis here, and I am so excited to have the privilege to have uh, two names that, to be honest, I was kind of hoping the Twins were getting in the Nelson Cruz trade earlier this year. We have Cole Wilcox and Nick Schnell. They are both in the Rays minor league sister. Cole is a pitcher. Nick is a 
Byron Buxton in the making center fielder. You've got those comps now, Nick. Uh, good luck living up to those expectations. Um, but guys, thank you so much for joining us. They started a podcast a little while ago called Diamonds in the Rough. It releases uh, twice a week, and they just did a Q&A episode for the Rays subreddit. Uh, so guys, uh, Nick, Cole, welcome to the podcast. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing yeah, well. Thanks for having us. Well, I am excited to have you guys here and to to ask you some questions. I've been wondering about the minor leagues and just the raise system in general. Um, but before we really get to that, I just kind of want to want to let our listeners know how you guys got to where you are right now. And then just a little bit about the podcast. So I guess we'll start start with the pitcher because I know how finicky pitchers can be. They need their routine. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll start with you, Cole. Um, what kind of led you to where you are now in the Rays organization? Um, well, I mean, obviously, baseball was kind of my thing growing up, and uh, that's what I wanted to do. And I was fortunate enough to be able to, to go play at Georgia, where it was my dream school, and I got to accomplish everything I wanted to there. And uh, then I got drafted by the Padres in 2020. Uh, traded in the Blake Snell deal, so I'm a Ray now. Well, uh, apparently they won the deal, and uh, that's that's pretty. <laughs> I mean, Snell did so not not good for the Padres, what they were expecting there. But all right, so Nick, I'm sure, about, I'm sure he'll bounce back. Yeah, I'm I, I'm sure, right? It's just yeah, a just a fine. little season. Uh, but hey, that's too good. The Rays are still. I mean, if the Rays wanted you, there's something right going on there. So <laughs> hopefully. So Nick, how about you? Yeah, so same with Cole. Uh, obviously, baseball was um, kind of my thing growing up. My brother played, so I, I mean, grew up watching him play. Always kind of. He's five years older than me, so seeing him play uh, just kind of led me to wanting to play. And then found out, I'd say, like middle of high school, that I was getting pretty good. Um, started talking to some scouts, um, had a really good senior year and then, yeah, um, got drafted out of high school and then signed with the Rays. And then Cole and I, uh, met up this year in Charleston and both had, uh, some injuries and then got sent to Florida, um, after, after we had surgery and we were sitting there talking one day and now we're doing a podcast. Hey, you guys are not old enough to be white guys doing a podcast. Let me just say that. Uh, you got to leave that for the elder millennials and the, the millennials in there. You're, you're, you're ruining our game here, guys. Come on. People oh. people want young guys talking. You're stealing our audience. Uh <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. Shoot. Hopefully you guys will accept us. There's plenty of time to go around. Yeah. yeah exactly. People have car rides every day. Oh, every yeah. day they're driving driving oh, yeah. to work <laughs> yeah well, so um so you guys kind of got talking what kind of got the ball rolling on just like hey a podcast what what kind of was your your motivation behind starting it obviously you want to talk about things is there anything in particular you really wanted to to really bring out in the podcast uh or is it just you know hey we've we've got some knowledge and we want to we want to shoot the breeze a little bit yeah. here i mean we uh we were rehabbing together in ta or in Port Charlotte at the spring training complex. Uh, so we hung out every day, just you know trying to pass time. You have a lot of downtime in rehab, so we watched a lot of podcasts from like Barstool and other places, and we enjoyed it. And like we obviously want to do something like that with our downtime, and uh, it just I think we we're just kind of in the training room. You're always just talking, telling stories and stuff, and 
there's just so many stories that only happen in the minor leagues that we just wanted to have guys on to come up and just talk shop. You know, like we're not, we're not a podcast who's covering baseball. We're not bringing you news or nothing. It's just, it's just a couple of guys talking about baseball stories and we feel like people would enjoy that. And, you know, hopefully so far they have. I mean, I always loved hearing minor league stories. Um, way back last year, we had Pirates play-by-play guy Joe Block on, and he had a, a couple of really nice ones from the minors. Uh, yeah, minor league stories are the best. So now I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to hear your best minor league story so far because uh, that's that's you bring it up, and I expect you to do it. And since Cole brought it up, it's only fair that Nick has to answer the question. So, <laughs> All right. Um, so... I'll go with like a really funny one. I, I, I'd rather do that than tell you like a typical, like, oh, this guy did this, like made this play. But <laughs> I, won't, I won't mention names, but uh, 20, I want to say, yeah, 2019, uh, our Hudson Valley team uh, was playing in a way series. And every once in a while, you'll get a, uh, a field that doesn't have a bathroom and like the, um, <laughs> the dugout. And so, um, one of the pitchers really had to use the bathroom. So he ended up dropping a deuce in a, the trash can in the bullpen because <laughs> he couldn't get to the locker room or the dugout. And he pitched that to, game. And he pitched that game, yeah. <laughs> so Cole's got a good one uh, about being in Charleston, uh, interaction with some fans. Oh, so fan, fan player interaction. Um, I am one who loves to sit at minor league stadiums and see people scrolling on their phones for all of the college and high school stats they can get. Yeah. Uh, so Cole, I- I'd love to hear the player side of that versus the annoying drunk guy at the double <laughs> a game. Who's yeah. I don't know why he's there with his family and that drunk, but you know, well, no, I've always enjoyed like talking to fans and stuff and, and messing with them. Cause I'll always go sit in the bullpen. I did in Charleston, at least it just number one, it felt a lot better, had more of a breeze and it was just, it was just super loose. And that's, that's kind of how I pitch. It's super loose. So on the days I went and pitching, I go hang out down there and, in Charleston, we had Thirsty Thursdays, which was dollar beers. Oh, no. And in Charleston, there, there's three colleges in Charleston. So naturally, like on the weekends, you know, people are in summer school and stuff. Like, what else are you going to do? So you come to the River Dogs, get dollar beers, and, and have a good time. Well, there was a, a lacrosse player from one of the three colleges. Uh, I'm not even going to say where, but they their whole team was there, and they were just destroying the right fielder for the other team and just wearing him out and it, it really wasn't even that good of chirps but it was just funny because it was so loud and so i started messing with these guys and i was like i'll give somebody a hundred dollars right now to go streaking across this field and jump over the left field fence and dude this guy he was so close i mean like he it was that it was that moment in your head where it could go either way and i could see it working and he was like ah oh, dude i want to he said but I promised my dad I wouldn't get arrested tonight. <laughs> and so, so I was like, oh, come on, man. So I was trying to get him, and he was like – he felt bad. He's like, if I bring somebody next week that will do it, will you forgive me? I'm like, yeah, bring them on. <laughs> I, I just love the fact that he felt guilty about not – no, yeah, no, he field. was he was tore up a little bit. His buddies were getting in on it. They wanted to do it, and I was like, yeah, I had a little tear in his eye, like, man, I really want, I really want. To I, I had it all planned out. I was like, jump that fence. There's a parking lot. And just take off. And come on, it. There's not much security here, right? Right? No, <laughs> it'd have been fine. Somebody did it the week before from the other side, and, <laughs> and there was no resistance. So, so one of the things that 
for some reason, uh, every year annually in the off season on the baseball subreddit, someone brings up this five-year-old idea of starting a TV sitcom based on a minor league bullpen and everything that goes on there. And it sounds like that would actually be the ideal location for a, a sitcom. Um, yeah. is, is there enough material there for, for that yeah. show? We may or may not have something in the works for that. Oh, well, well, there we go. Uh, so with that in mind, Nick, do you ever sneak out to the bullpen knowing that there's so much fun being had there and you're stuck in the dugout with all that managerial supervision? Uh, uh, no, I never sneak out there, but I do every once in a while go warm up the right fielder on my off days and have good chats with the with the bullpen while I'm warming up the right fielder. Yeah. Um, sitting there in between innings. But that's that's always the best time to talk to the guys in the bullpen when you're warming, warming up the right fielder. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's funny you mentioned that though about the sitcom because we got we had some stuff trying to plan for spring training you know we'll all be together and get some content out and yeah we might have something for the bullpen because it's acting session down there it's like clockwork every year someone brings it up and then someone links to last year's post about it and then someone will like well wait this was made two years and then it just cascades down um i'm sure you know the first bullpen in 1857 someone's like there should be a, a play about this or something. I was going to say radio. That's a little before radio, maybe. Yeah. I don't know enough about radio history. Sorry for all you radio <laughs> history buffs out there who are yelling at your uh, Bluetooth speakers right now. What, what are you talking about here? So that fan interaction aspect, I guess, Nick, playing center field, uh, do you ever get it from opposing fans or is that reserved for some reason for the right fielder? It always feels like the right fielder gets it worse. Uh, depends on the park because every once in a while you get a batter's eye back there that doesn't allow people to like stand there. Uh, but I'll get people in like left and right center. I don't get it as much as the corner guys do, but uh, if the park allows for it, then yeah. I'll okay. get it. it just depends on on how it's uh like built kind of because it sometimes the battery battery is pretty wide and people have to walk around it to get around uh sometimes it's it's not that that wide so people are like right there so you, you got a little shield from the the brunt of the heckling then a little bit but i kind of like it because especially in the outfield if you get some if you get somebody super annoying, it, it stinks, but sometimes you get some funny people out there and being in the outfield, you need something to keep you entertained when <laughs> balls aren't getting hit to you. So if you got somebody who's funny out there and you can have a conversation with them, it's always fun. So is, is anyone ever out there screaming like, Hey, 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 y'all, uh, what number is it? Well, whatever, Nick, Nick, uh, remember when you grounded that double play in golf league in 2018, while looking up your baseball reference page or, or or is that not something that that happens as much as it seems to happen when I'm with people at a ballpark <laughs> uh, so I've had I don't usually have people pull out stats on me but I had uh, a couple times this past year uh, I'm getting married this weekend but I had people be well, like hey how's Carly so, and bring uh, up my fiance <laughs> thank you I appreciate it what, this so, week, what people, are you doing on a podcast this is your wedding week man you need to be planning uh, uh, no. <laughs> no, we're good it's all <laughs> it's all planned out <laughs> yeah she did everything so she's playing five five basketball so. So. <laughs> yeah she let, she let me go play some basketball so <laughs> well all right, so so at the beginning of this podcast, uh, this this segment here, um, I kind of made reference to to names I wouldn't have mind coming over in that Nelson Cruz trade. Um, 
but I, I kind of felt weird talking about it um, just because, you know, a lot of times as a fan, you're always wondering, well, what's your team getting back? And you kind of forget the human aspect of like, these are guys, these are real people that are, are being shipped across the country sometimes. Um, what's that environment like? I don't know if it really, it, well, I mean, in A-ball, you've got plenty of those uh, guys like you and other prospects down there. What's that feel like around that trade deadline at, at the MLB level? Um, is there ever any, like, are people checking Twitter? Uh, is there just kind of a general feeling like, I don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow, buddy. Um, or, or is it kind of a little more relaxed than I, I'm, I'm imagining it? I'd say uh, it's pretty relaxed. Um, for the most part, it's more like joking around, stuff like that. Like some guys, you're like legitimately like, like I mean, there's a potential that they could be gone. But I know like this year in Charleston when it was happening, yeah, people were checking Twitter. But it wasn't really checking to say, oh, did I, am I getting traded? It was more like, who are the Rays getting? Mm. Like I remember everybody was talking about like we thought we were going to get a like Chris Bryant or somebody like that this year. There was a, a – a time when the Rays were trying to push for him or some other guys and more talk like that. And it's more uh, like, it's a, it's a lot different when a guy leaves than when you get a guy. Cause when that guy comes into your clubhouse, you guys already have like kind of a bond and stuff. We had a guy uh, this year we got in, uh, what was the trade? What was the Mets trade we made Wilcox? I don't remember. Honestly, we got we we made a trade with the Mets Rich Hill. We and, have Rich Hill. Yep, 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 yep. And the Rich Hill trade, and we got Matthew Dyer, who came to Charleston. He was with the Mets, and um, like he fit right in right away. Like got along with everybody. But you walk in the door with your Mets bag. I'm sure he was like freaking <laughs> out. So um, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's different walking in for an opposing player uh, to a clubhouse. I I mean I haven't gone through it. Wilcox has gone through it, so he can kind of tell you. Well, we, at the deadline. we had a, a really good episode with Ron Weathers not too long ago where we me and him were at the uh, Padres alternate site last year. And that's when the Padres traded a, a lot of prospects for some big time guys. So it, it was, it was wild just being there and then you're there with them for, you know, a month or two and you get pretty close. And then all of a sudden you walk in the next day and like when I after all these guys have been traded and the locker room's just empty, it, it was, mm. it was a weird experience for sure. And what was what was that transition like for you, Cole, to to suddenly, I mean, in the midst of a pandemic, um, have to to up and go to when I got traded? Yeah. Uh, well, I got traded in the offseason, so it was a little different. I mean, I was back home and I hadn't gone to spring training yet. So I, it really wasn't that big of an adjustment for okay. me just just because uh, it was just like starting a new year uh, and it, it just happened to be somewhere else. It was just like I started over. So. The, the biggest adjustment was just, you know, re-meeting people, relearning how things are done in a certain organization. But, you know, it, it was good that it was in the offseason. It probably made it a lot easier, I would assume. Cool, cool. So, sounds like in the clubhouse, I mean, you guys are following all of the, the major league organization news. Um, what's that kind of feel like in, well, let's be frank, in an organization like the Rays, where it does feel like uh, talent gets traded quite a bit, um, and there's a lot of comings and goings, and you know, you never know how long someone's going to stick around at the big league level. Um, what's kind of the feeling like up and down the the system there, as far as just being the Rays and, and what that means as a player? 
Uh, I mean, you kind of know what to expect. Like, you know that they're really going to invest hard in their minor leagues and invest hard in the players that they're acquiring. So, like, it's you know, it's a good place to be for that reason. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that would feel in the big leagues, like knowing that you could be traded and stuff. Uh, I, I would assume it's harder to be traded in the big league just because, like, you're competing for a World Series and, and you get traded to a team that you've been competing against all year. So, I, I can't speak for them, but – as, as minor leaguers, you know that they're gonna they're gonna put a lot into you, which is nice. Cool. Yeah. So I guess my my next question kind of play plays off of that that competitive feeling. Um, I know, like it's a poor poor comparison, but back in high school, you know, when you were playing on the JV team, you knew that there were decisions being made um, that were were not influenced by we're gonna win this game right now tonight it was influenced by well we need to get this guy some extra reps we need this extra thing yeah. or we're, we're gonna we're gonna try this play play out just because we got to try this play out not because it's the right decision to make at that moment um at the minor league level especially at a ball it does it feel a little more like that or is it still feeling like no nah, we're out here to win every night yeah we want to get our reps in we want to develop but uh, we're here to win and be competitive every single night we're out there. Well, Schnelli didn't play JV, so he wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, to answer your question, uh, I would say it's, it's a little bit of both. Like our Charleston team this year, like we, we want to go out there and win every night. Like we knew we had a really good team. Um, but it is, it's a little bit different than like you would imagine most te- like. Uh, a lot of different teams it's it's more you're playing as a team but also individually because you're trying to make it to the next level so and you can see that like I'm not gonna sit here and lie if you watch a minor league game like like the higher prospects are going to play more than guys who aren't as high on the prospect list they're going to get more opportunity even when they're struggling they're going to put them in the lineup every day to get reps Mm -hmm. uh, to get more at bats because um the teams uh, invested in them. They put money into those guys and they're going to try and get the best out of the guys they put the most value in. It's just part of the business. It's part of being uh, in professional baseball. It's not part of being uh, a part of an organization that's trying to win at a, a, a much higher level than what Cole and I played at this year and them to get, bring a world series to Tampa Bay. So um, it's, it's easy, especially with the Rays, uh, like our, our coaches, the players that they they drafted, like our Charleston team was so close. So it was so easy to go out there and, and play to win every single game. But I don't know if it's like that in every other or every organization, because um, you hear a lot of people talk about how it's it's such an individualized um, minor league. So individualized. It's all about um, the way you perform and trying to get to the next level like some people uh say like you're cheering for the guy in front of you to make a mistake so you get a chance like which isn't the case like like I said being with the race that is not the case I mean our Charleston team I know the Bowling Green team uh the Montgomery team and the Durham team everybody I mean we proved it this year we we all mm-hmm. won I mean Montgomery was the only team that didn't finish first in there um do you do you rib those guys for that if you see them oh yeah <laughs> yeah me I'm I'm good buddies with Ford Proctor and he was uh with Montgomery this year and I I always mess with him I'm like wow you guys really blew it didn't you <laughs> which they went they didn't win the division but they went to the last game of the championship series and they ended up losing like three to two so they tried but 
couldn't pull it off. So, you know, out those, those lower levels, like you're talking about younger guys getting more reps um, you, at the A level, do you still have like, I mean, you've got Durham in your system, the stereotypical bull Durham, um, the, those career guys who are, are just kind of grinding it out and they, they kind of know there's not really much chance of making the show, but you know, you just want a few more seasons uh, of that. Um, definitely don't need to name names or anything. Um, but do those kind of guys um, kind of still exist at a ball and, and down the system like that? Or are those kind of the, the higher tier triple a, maybe double a guys that are still around doing that? Uh, I don't, I mean, I personally don't know anybody like that. Like, everybody I've come in contact with is obviously truly believes they're going to make it to the league. And, and even when I was with the Padres, uh, there's a guy named of Lester Rivas who was like 13 years deep in the minor leagues. And, you know, I'm sure everybody around him thought like, no way this guy's ever going to make it. And uh, well, he sure enough, he, I mean, he, he got called up pretty early in the year this year and he stayed the entire time and had a good season. Like that was, that was super cool to see a guy who stuck it out that long and uh, was able to, to see that. Um, dream come true so i don't i don't think anybody really views it like that like there might be others that say oh well he's just you know a guy filling a spot but in their minds everybody thinks they're gonna make the league i think that's what makes us professional baseball like i don't think that guys would make it to professional baseball if they didn't believe in themselves to play in the big leagues because uh you need that confidence you need that kind of attitude like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go out there and and dominate and make it to the big leagues uh, mentality to get that far. I mean, if, if, if you ask me to tell your kid right now, or sorry, if you don't have kids, but if you told me to sit down and yeah, tell your kids what it would take to get to the, to professional baseball, I'd look at them and I'd say, believe in yourselves and do anything or, and work as hard as you can. But if you don't believe in yourself, um, especially in baseball being such a mental, like roller coaster throughout a season, you're going to have so many highs and you have so many lows. Uh, if you don't believe in yourself and truly believe it, and it sometimes comes off as arrogance, but if you do not believe in yourself and don't think you made it to the big leagues, you will not make it to the big leagues. Wander Franco isn't Wander Franco because he doesn't think he can go out there and <laughs> make contact with every single baseball that's thrown. I mean, this is how to get to the big leagues one-on-one with two guys who haven't been. So. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's going to be the, that's gonna be the second lesson. The first lesson I'm going to give to my kids in our last episode of the podcast, but uh, my, my fiance is also pregnant so two really big things coming oh up oh my but, goodness so that's, Double congrats. that's yeah that's the second <laughs> lesson i'm gonna play this back for my child when he when he or she is old enough i will i'll be you know uh 10 years down the road i'll be looking and suddenly get a notification you have one more view on episode yep. 49 what yeah who's yeah, going back and me. listening to this that'll <laughs> be me that's a little silly. <laughs> And now, now I'll know. I will write a note to myself. A hey, little baby Schnelli finally yeah. listened to it. Yeah, there you go. So, I'll start building that warrior mentality when he's about three. That's so. right. That's yeah, right. I keep saying he. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but even if it's a girl, it's an important lesson. So. Hey, warrior this is mentality. Be a, a female warrior. Yeah, oh, exactly. I mean, Amazons are a thing, right? That's uh, that's that's what they are. Female warriors. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. You know, talking about being in the Rays organization, like you guys said, you you feel like uh, they're really investing in their minor leagues. And one of the things that I guess for 
from my perspective, has finally happened uh, across minor league baseball is this offseason MLB announced, hey, we're going to provide housing for all of our minor league guys. Um, how uh, have they talked to you guys yet about what that's going to look like, or at least, I don't know, sent you a form email saying, hey, yeah, you might have heard this news. We're working on it. Um, and what kind of to, to you guys, from your perspective, what does that mean for next season? That's going to be different from this past one. Yeah, I mean, we've read all the articles y'all have read. We haven't gotten anything <laughs> from the team. We just read the Baseball America articles and stuff just like that. Just make sure to read the blog on DNR. Yeah, DNR we yeah. Net. I did write a blog about this. Cole did write a blog. Um, but it's huge, honestly. Like, it is It is huge as a player. This I told the story on one of our episodes. Cole and I, um, the Rays did uh, provide us with some apartments uh, in Charleston, but Cole and I both were like – we. Kind of want well, to see them. They, they gave us the lease. They weren't really provide. Like we paid for it. So yeah, yeah. So you no. find out what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they set us up at a place. They didn't pay for it, but they gave us a place as an option in Charleston. But uh, you find out you're going to Charleston two days before you actually go there, or not even a day before you go there. So it's like I kind of want to see the place. So Cole and I kind of were like, okay, we don't want to sign it yet. We'll look for a place. And we ended up having to look for a place for about two weeks before we could uh, like finally settle in in Charleston. So for two weeks of the season, we were kind of scrambling to find a place or staying. Um, I stayed with Curtis Mead, one of my buddies. Um, his girlfriend just happened to have an apartment. She lived in Charleston and lived across from the field. Uh, it was crazy. So I stayed with him for two weeks. And then we uh, we ended up finding a place. We didn't stay in the same apartment together, but we were at the same uh, complex. Like so, but it's just huge to be to know that they're gonna um, to help us out because I mean a lot of people know that we aren't getting paid squat. So I mean that that'll help for sure um, in the long run. I mean when when you look at it, I mean if you do the math, we get paid twelve grand in a place like Charleston where you're paying two grand a month for six months. You can do the math, and you're you're basically paying to play. So. Um, I mean, it just, it's a, it's an opportunity to make more money than what we were making. Uh, it's, it's less stress off us for the two weeks of the season. We're trying to play baseball and find a place to live and don't know where we're staying the next day. Um, so it's, I mean, it's huge. It's a step in the right direction. Obviously there's a lot of things that minor leaguers want done, but um, I mean, Cole and I could be in a completely different situation. We're blessed to be in the situation we are. Um, it's much harder for the guys that signed for a thousand dollars and, um, mm-hmm. depend on that paycheck to get through the season and they're paying half of their paycheck or three fourths of their play- paychecks going to a place to live. And you can't, the, the team can't, um, like being in Charleston, they don't, I mean, they pick where they're at, but they don't pick the place based on, Oh, like this place is expensive to live. It just happens at Durham's expensive to live and mm-hmm. Charleston's expensive to live. So um, long like that, that was a super long answer, but yes, it's huge for us. I mean, I, I just uh, imagine that it would be huge. I, I used to work in um, at uh, campgrounds and, and different places and uh, having housing provided, um, even with a pay cut was huge to just have that stress off my back. Um, and so I can't imagine, especially like we were talking earlier, you know, if you're someone who, who might feel like I might be on the trade block and then to 
or hey i'm on the bubble i might get sent up next week and then i might get up there and i don't think i'm gonna struggle but if i do i might get sent right back down and maybe i already subletted or something so um I, I i can't believe it's taken this long for one team to figure out hey this might be better for our guys development if we do this um but i guess real estate prices are through the roof now so i'm sure now it's a sound business investment too for the uh the parent clubs <laughs> yeah uh, well this year that happened to me so i was in charleston and my roommate uh got called up and we didn't have anybody come up for him to, or well, the guy who came up didn't want to, we were paying more than what the place that the rays were put us up in were, and he didn't want to move in with me. So I was on the hook for both rooms. Yeah. And so my, my grandpa actually was like, Hey, I'll cover the other half. And then I got sent back to Florida. So for this, I wasn't, nobody was even living there and I was paying for an apartment. So, and since the other nice. guy left first, he was off the hook. Yeah he was off the hook i mean oh. I and it was a situation where he didn't sign for a ton and i wasn't gonna say hey you have to mm. pay for a place in bowling green and pay for a place near and my grandpa had offered so and he gave when my family came my family came to visit me a ton so when they came uh there was an extra room there so they ended up just staying there and they so they used it um i think every weekend until i got hurt there was somebody there hanging out so Cool, cool. So, you know, um, the Rays have been kind of on the cutting edge of a lot of things. And um, just through uh, on this podcast, I guess, discussions with uh, guys that work now work for the the Twins and the Red Sox and the Astros and their front offices. um, The the biggest thing that seems to be pushing forward is um, just like biomechanics and um, pitcher mechanics, especially. Uh, so maybe this is more for you, Cole. Um, but do do you get information from like Ray's scouting department or advanced, um, you know, their their analytics department talking about your mechanics, little things to change, or at at this level, is it still kind of what the pitching coach uh, is telling you and just kind of figuring out where where your arm is going to be um, as, I mean, you guys still have some developing arms. So um, what's kind of that, that feeling like um, as far as talking with uh, coaches and analysts or anything else that the race sends your way? Uh, Yeah. I mean, obviously like the structure of your mechanics, like lower half and, you know, having stuff strengthened and and all that, that's, that's obviously always going to be huge and always something they're going to put an emphasis on, but, uh, the throw in motion uh, mechanics is is kind of going away from you know having a cookie cutter uh, release and all that. They're, they're working on the try hinge. Yeah, the try hinge. Uh, <laughs> they uh, it's more of they want they want multiple arm angles, especially the rays. And a lot of people are going to that. You know, they want they don't want everybody to be the same. They want everyone to be different. So the rays are more of they want you to maximize what you do well. So they're not going to come in and try to just overhaul or change anything. They're going to, they're going to give you the analytics of what you do well and, and how you do it. And uh, they just want you to, to reach your full potential in, in what you do and not try to be somebody else. Okay. And then I guess on the hitting side, is it basically same thing or is hitting where they're like, no, 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 you all need to look like Ken Griffey Jr. Or uh, you're not moving up. <laughs> no, that's that's just me. I, I'm the only one that looks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, they it's same thing. Like they pretty much let you. There's no cookie cutter way to do it. They let you do your own thing. 
Um, I mean, they obviously are super a super analytical team. So we have uh, like these new cages that have force plates in them. They're looking, um, and like we don't. I mean, they don't. It's all like new stuff. So they look at the numbers and they're still trying to figure out what everything's everything means and stuff like that. But we have like slow motion cameras um, that can can pick up uh, a video of you hitting BP and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, you pretty much can do whatever you, whatever you want. If it works for you, then it's all good. I mean, you look at the guys in the big leagues, no one guy hits exactly the same that now there's, there's different places they get in their swing that make them a good hitter. And I think that if you broke down a swing of most minor league hitters, they would, I'd say 95% would get close to those same spots, just big leaguers doing more consistently. So uh, it's more about just making you comfortable developing an approach. I'd say is is the biggest thing. Is everybody can hit, then get here because they kind of hit. <laughs> can you can you go up there with a plan and execute that plan? Look for a pitch, get that pitch and drive it, and lay off the pitches that you don't want to swing at. So I would say it's more approach based than analytical based. I mean, uh, obviously home runs are cool, so everybody <laughs> wants to hit those. Um, obviously, right? Yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, I did want to ask from a player's perspective here, one of the rule changes that they were kind of testing out, um, I believe was at your level, was the limit of two pickoff attempts per plate appearance. Was this, were you guys playing with this rule this year? Yeah, that was awesome. Okay, so I'm going to guess I'm going to get two different answers here because I got a pitcher and someone who stole 13 bases. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's... It is the exact opposite of what they wanted to do. Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't speed the game up at all. Like you, it. So for <laughs> there's a funny story about one guy. He, it was one of the first series we played, and so once you picked off twice and stepping off counted as a pickoff. So if you just step stepping up, off, if you stepped mm-hmm. off and like had to get get the signs again, that counted as a pickoff, and it was per at bat. So there's one guy had picked off the first twice, and so he couldn't pick off again as the same at bat. So our guy's still second. And then he ends up stepping off to get us to redo a sign. So they send him to third, Balk. And then he gets in the windup, realizes he doesn't want to be in the windup, oh, steps no. off, Balk's him home. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that completely slowed down the game. I mean, it does. There's just no reason to implement I mean, dumb rules like I this. I know it slows down the game, but that sounds really entertaining to me. As yeah, a it fan, was great for us. I yeah. would love it. I guess from the base stealing side of things, I, I, does that change like how you're before even the two pickups, is that changing how aggressive you're feeling on the bases? Uh, it would. I mean, Alberto. I was, yeah, yeah. Roberto Hernandez helped. He, he would get 15 feet off the base. I would say I got a little bit more aggressive with my leads. I, I will say that knowing that I had a little, but I don't think it honestly, like I don't, I can't tell you I might have got picked off, like guys tried to pick off while I was on base, maybe, I mean, five, six times. And I mean, they were there when I would actually steal. Like there was, I mean, they would pick off all the time when I was on base, but when I was going to steal, like most of the time they didn't. It was on, I mean, it, honestly, anybody should have 20 stolen bases if they just pay attention to pitchers. I mean, you can, you should be able to most of the time pick up on a sequence when they're going to throw curveball stuff like that. Or if they're super slow to the plate, I mean, you should at least have throughout a whole season, you should have 10 stolen bases. So um, I don't think it, 
it definitely helped people. Like I will say that like Brett wisely, um, it made him way more comfortable. He got super good. He stole like 35 bases this year. Something crazy. Um, so it definitely helped him, but a lot of guys liked it. I don't think it helped or hurt me, but I mean, I just say I like it to mess with the pitchers because so you're always on the podcast. You're always going to say you like it. Just to get cold. Like, ah, darn, yeah, darn position. Cole, players. Cole usually doesn't let anybody on the bases. So <laughs> <laughs> they just hit balls over the fence. <laughs> so they're probably, yeah. oh, well, How many home runs you give up this year, Cole? I don't know. Uh, I think one. Was it? Did Cam Shepard hit it? No, he didn't. He almost did though. I got him out with Jordan. Yeah, that's right. It uh uh yeah, so I am that heckler in the outfield. I did look it up. You did only give up one, which is unfortunate. I couldn't get a gotcha moment there, but yeah, it, it was it was one home run you gave up. Congrats. I, I don't uh, remember. It's it. less fun remember. for me. Sorry, no. I, I tried to rob it, but it got off my glove and yeah. I accidentally went over. I, I didn't expect it to be robbed. Yeah. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Well, Nick Cole, thank you so much for sitting down with me tonight and uh, just talking about baseball. I love uh, talking with with players and just learning more about what your perspective is on the game here. Uh, I guess I just want to know from your perspective here before we we finish up um, with all these rule changes that they're they're proposing and looking at. Um, what do you see being different in the game in, in 10 years from now? What, what do you see being different by the time you guys are in your eighth and ninth major league seasons and you're coming back on the podcast to, to talk about your new 13-year, $200 million deals? Hey, they'll probably have the pitcher thrown from second base by that point. I mean, <laughs> is, anything, is anything to let the hitters, you know, get a little more advantage? I don't, I don't think that they'll let anything happen. Like, I mean, none of the rules they tried out today, other than the, I think the base being bigger is kind of smart. Like, I think, yeah. I think it, although like people argue, oh, two through steel bases because you're closer. But I mean, it's not that, that much of a, or that close. It's that much of a difference. I actually think that is a rule that should stick. I think uh, it can get dangerous at first base sometimes. Um, yeah and stuff like that even on uh, when sliding into bases uh, i don't know how much it would help like stealing and stuff like that but that's the only rule i think this year that they tried out that was worth um actually looking into but who knows i mean if they're trying to make it more of an offensive game then they'll take shifts away which i mean if you're in the big leagues and you can't beat a shift then you shouldn't be hitting so joey gallo wants your location uh, <laughs> no, he just hits it over the fence. That's right. So yeah, yeah if, if I, I hit, if I hit, if I hit that many homers in the big leagues too, I'll, I'll roll into the shift two, yeah. out three, <laughs> two out of three times. So, well, guys, thanks so much for for sitting down with me today. Um, just one last time for the listeners, where can they they find you guys, uh, your podcast, and any socials you've got that you're actually active on and want to broadcast out? Uh, Cole. You're the pitcher. I'm going to send it over to you first. <laughs> uh, yeah, like me and Chanel are both on Twitter, so you can just follow us there. Um, and then we have a Diamonds in the Rough Twitter. Uh, and then we also have a Diamonds in the Rough Instagram. Uh, and then we post we post all – every time we release a pod, we post all the links to Apple, Spotify, YouTube. So you can 
you can click those links and check it out. Uh, we also have a website, dnrpodcast.net, and we'll have some blogs on there and hopefully some other stuff coming soon. But, you know, just uh, feel free to give us any feedback whenever. I think our email is posted on there. Our DMs are open. Just, you know, let us know what you want to hear, and we'll do our best to do it. Yep. He covered the bases. Cole, I'll, I'll tell you what Cole is on Instagram and Twitter. I'm nick.d chanel7 on instagram cole what are you on instagram i have no idea cole, I, don't, I don't use instagram much cole is cole wilcox 11 and then on twitter i am nick dot, or nick underscore d underscore chanel and wilcox is um i have your notifications on so when you tweet he's also cole wilcox 11 on there so that's where you guys can Make find us yeah like and subscribe to this podcast and our podcast oh you took my line thanks nick that's Uh, that's great well uh thank you once again for being on here and listeners at home thank you for listening stick around uh, right after our short normal musical interlude uh someone will be here to wrap up the podcast and give you the credits and information about next week's episode number 50 which is a a big deal but coming up on that one year anniversary so thank you all for listening and uh we will see you guys next week awesome thanks for having us yep thank you that's about all we have for today thanks again for listening to episode 49 here of our baseball weekly we release every monday morning bright and early in today's episode i'm lewis i hosted uh both segments today maz joined me to co-host the intro and we have very special thanks to Cole Wilcox and Nick Schnell for joining us for our interview this week. I am executive producer. I'd like to thank Christine for setting up our interview and doing all of that admin stuff behind the scenes. We love you, Christine. Thank you for doing all of that. And a big thank you to our editor, Nime, for tearing himself away from a family gathering to edit this tonight. Thank you all for listening for 49 great episodes. Next week is a big episode of five zero. We'll see what we've got planned. I'm not going to tease Ashley McLennan again, because every time I do, she isn't able to make it. That's so sad, but uh, we're hoping to get her or someone else, or if not, you know what? There's sure to be lots of big baseball news. I'm sure Max Scherzer is going to sign uh, before you even listen to this episode. So thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next week. Uh, Anthony, just nine. You can cut this. Oh boy, Anthony Discalfani, Anthony Discalfani, Disco, Disco. I had the same conversation when we talked about the Giants last time. Anthony Discalfani. Yeah, there we go. go. Discalfani. All right, thanks, nine. Thanks for cutting this out, bud.